From Afters, in collaboration with FBI Radio, this is Radio Brain, a podcast about how Australia's top radio makers make radio. In this episode, Izzy Phillips speaks with Triple J producer Liza Harvey. Hey, Izzy. Hey, Ryan. I don't know if you know this, but Liza and I were actually in the same year of the graduate diploma of radio at Aftis. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. That's a small world. You know what's also wild? That I actually met Liza ahead of doing the interview absolutely by chance. I was um, at Triple J and I had to take somebody in to do an interview on the program and we were chatting. But for some reason, I didn't click that it was the same Liza. Then she said, hey, um, you wouldn't happen to do stuff at FBI, would you? I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. She's like, oh, is he from... I was like, oh, my God. And we were emailing each other just that second. And in this chat, what do you guys talk about? We talk about her path into radio, why radio is important, the exciting nature that is drive radio and music radio, um, and as well as advice that she would give someone who wants to get into radio as well. Was there any like particular piece of advice that you hooked onto that you think was particularly useful? Something that I find interesting about radio is that sometimes it feels like it can live and die as soon as it goes to air. And something that she said was think about how you can keep building on an idea or on a piece of content and build it out and when you do that, it can be incredibly rewarding for the listener who's tuning in, who then feels like they're becoming a part of this story and they're becoming really invested. Yeah, that's really good advice. A moment I really love in this chat is where Liza talks about how she's like constantly air checking the radio while she's listening to it. And like that totally checks out with the Liza that I remember. Like there's always a part of her brain that is thinking about like, how do I turn this into a piece of content or kind of has this radio brain that switched on it's so funny (laughs) it is because i can just imagine her just being in the car being like oh my god they didn't hook what's going on that was bad (laughs) do it again (laughs) here's izzy phillips speaking to liza harvey and if this conversation inspires you to take your radio making journey to the next level you can find out about enrolling in the graduate diploma of radio at afters by visiting their website afters.edu.au Liza, radio is such a special medium to so many different people for so many different reasons. Uh, Do you have a moment where you remember that you fell in love with the medium of radio? Ah, that's such a good question. And I think like, I think to be honest, radio was something that I grew up with completely. Like my mum always had the radio playing and my nonna always had the radio playing. And I even remember like being a little kid and um, Nuna listening to classic, like ABC classic on the radio. And sometimes it would freak me out because, you know, sometimes classical music can be really moody and really like over the top. And I would be standing at the door of the kitchen, like too afraid to go in. I'm like, it's really scary music. So it's always been something that's been around. But I remember um, being a teenager when I was about 13 and um, I grew up on the Gold Coast and discovering Triple J for the first time and kind of being like, oh my gosh, like this is so cool. And there's all this music that I didn't even know that existed and there's people around the whole country that are listening to music that I like and that's so wicked and I think that really solidified my love of of what radio can be. 
I heard that your start in radio has some jazzy origins. Yeah. Well, it was yeah on the Gold Coast and um, in high school I wanted to do work experience at a radio station and my knowledge of community radio really wasn't that big at the time. This would have been like in year 10 or year 11 or something and um, my dad listened to this station called Jazz FM it's a community station. It was like the only community station that I knew about. And so once a week I would just go in and I would essentially just like load music into their digital library for them. And it was just me and just kind of in a couple of the old volunteers. It was very funny. Do you think that working there kind of informed your choice to wanting to go into radio? I don't think it did. I think in a weird way, like I liked doing, I liked the idea of it, but it I kind of rested that dream, I think, a little bit when I finished year 12 and I ended up getting into, um, I did, I studied music production at university and in my sort of, I think, first year or maybe even second year, I hadn't been doing any radio stuff and there was like a community notice board that the university that I had online and I saw an advertisement in there for, it was like four triple Z community radio station looking for music library interns. And I just had this like flash. I'm like, oh, whoa, that's right. I wanted to do radio and I had kind of like forgotten about it because I just gotten distracted by finishing school and starting uni and moving cities and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'll apply for that. And I ended up getting it. And like that, I think was my real step into radio and really kind of feeling like part of that community and part of that music community and and part of that radio community and I've still I've still got really great friends and people who I work with now at the ABC who were also at 4 Triple Z at the time so it's it was pretty amazing yeah um so you went from working on the grounds at a radio station to then later studying radio at a university. So a lot of people will often study first and then cut their teeth in the industry. What was this sort of inverse trajectory like for you? Yeah, well, it was sort of funny because I, when I was at 4ZZZ, I was really lucky that I was working, like the managers of that station, who were some three fantastic women at the time, were all really supportive if, if they saw that you wanted to do something and volunteer, they would just throw stuff at you. So I had some great opportunities to do a lot of different stuff. And like I used to organize gigs for the station and I did heaps of radio shows and produce radio shows. Like I just did everything because I just loved it so much. And then when I moved to Sydney, I was just applying for jobs and stuff. And I've had applied for another role at this sub-community radio station called 2RRR. And I didn't get that job, but they called me back up and they're like, well, actually our station manager has just, he's leaving in like a week. Do you want the job? And I was like, what? That's crazy. I was like 21 or something. And I was like, absolutely. That sounds sick. And so I think it was like, because I had such a mix of experience, they liked that. And so I went and did that for a few years and um, it was really incredible. Like it was really challenging at times because I was like, I didn't realize how much I didn't know. So I learned a lot really quickly I learned a lot about working with people and I, I learned a lot about working with people from lots of different backgrounds. Like it was a community station that had people as young as kind of 15, I think was the youngest volunteer we had, uh, right up until like 95 was the oldest volunteer we had. So it was like as diverse a population kind of bite as you can kind of possibly imagine. I did that for a few years and then I really enjoyed it and I really enjoyed working in the sector like I love the community radio sector in a more broad sense as well and and the great work that that a lot of different organizations do with lots of different stations and lots of different people around Australia but I really missed making radio um so I sort of I'd gone away for a few months on 
to Europe on a band tour and I was doing that for a while and I was like, you know what, like I think I need to get back into actually making stuff. Like I miss being creative. And then I decided to go back to uni. So I just kind of applied for the afters grad dip um, in radio course and got in and sort of quit work to go back to school. So it, it sort of felt like a bit of a sidestep, but it it definitely, I think for me, was really the right decision. I, oh, I think it's interesting because, you know, you've studied radio and worked in community radio and now you're working at our cherished national broadcaster. <laughs> so working across those different parts of radio, what phase of your career have you found to be the most challenging? I think all of them have been challenging for different reasons. Like even every time I start a new job within Triple J or within Double J, you know, like I've had lots of different jobs at the station, at the station and the station's family over the last few years. And every single time you step into a new role, it's like, okay, all right, we've got to do this. But it like it, it's almost like the first six months of any new job is like the most challenging, and it never do, it, it's like it never gets less challenging. So it's sort of interesting, kind of for me. Like I've got I get really bad anxiety, and it's something that I deal with all the time, and it's just like part of my everyday life. And with this new role, so I've only been in the drive role um, for about a month. And usually with a new role, I like, I get all these, you know, I have really anxious dreams and stuff. And there are certain things that I get caught up in, you know, but now like, with like the whole world has been flung into this insane scenario. It's almost like my regular anxiety doesn't matter anymore because now we have this collective world anxiety. So it's sort of an interesting thing and almost like a, in a way, a weird blessing for my, yeah, for my mental health. That's not really, but you know, like it's just, it's been, it's been very different starting this new role and starting, yeah, in the, in the middle of this, this thing. So when uh, you're not in a international pandemic as a Mm. radio producer, what does the average day look like for you? So average day, I usually get into the office at about 9, 9.30. The first thing I usually do is I open up my emails and I decide what I'm going to ignore and what I'm going to read. And then I open up our rundown for the day. And so there, we have a big whiteboard calendar that we share in our space. And I look at, the, that's usually how I kind of mentally organize my stuff too. And so I know, okay, what's happening today? What pre-records have we got? What do I need to organize? And then I fill that stuff that I know into the rundown. And then when the guys come in, we do a little, um, we have a show editorial meeting and that usually lasts, uh, a great one lasts half an hour. Sometimes it can be an hour and a half. It really just depends. Um, so talk about, we'll, we'll all have like a list of things that we want to bring for the show that day and whether they're interview ideas, whether they're topics we want to cover, whether it's like what are the biggest stories that are happening. So then we look at that, we decide what we're going to do, fill out the rundown, and then we go, okay, what else can we do today? Say we'd want to talk about The Bachelor. Do we want to make a package about one of the presenters being a fake Bachelor attendant? Yeah, great. Okay. Who's going to do that? When's that going to get recorded? And we sort of divvy up the the process in that sense as well. Um, So when you're going to those meetings and you're kind of putting stories forward or interviews forward for the show. What's your process like for looking for stories or finding interviews? Where do you normally start? It's a real mix of stuff, but ultimately it begins and ends with the audience. So it's really about like thinking about what your audience is interested in. Interviews will sort of fall into two categories. You'll have the do care and should care. 
you know, like there are certain topics or interviews and stuff, you know, you might interview a comedian who's doing a podcast who at the moment, like no one's really heard of this comedian, no one's really heard the podcast, but we think they would really like this and we know that it'll be an entertaining chat. So it's worth doing. Or there's a massive artist, they're touring, everyone loves them, they've sold at every show, that's a, you know, then we know that people are going to be interested in that interview. They're the kind of two categories and you kind of want to get a good mix of those, but it's, you know, you really have to think about what's the audience interested in? What's, what are they getting out of this? Is there any fun information that they're getting from this as well? So it's, they're the sort of basic criteria. And then it's also like, are they good talent? Are they funny? Will they have a bit of fun with us? Is it worth doing? Can we do this just in a speedy break? Can we, you know, can we cut something else? Can we replay it from someone else's chat? When was the last time we talked to them? Do they have anything else to say about it? What's the story? Yeah. So it obviously takes a lot of different skills. What skill have you learned that you think has served you well in your career or is the most important skill for someone who wants to get into radio? I think I think in a practical sense, um, editing. Like just hands down. Like if you can be a speedy, quick, reliable editor, oh, like half your job's done. You know, like, and, fee- and and in that sense, not just the the physical, you know, cutting out audio, blah, 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 but it's also like knowing what to cut, knowing what to keep, knowing how to make stuff flow, knowing when's a good out, knowing what's the right in, those sorts of things. So you obviously listen to a lot of different types of radio. Do you find that listening to different types of radio improves or informs your own personal radio practice? Oh, definitely. And I, I like... My partner always teases me about how I air check the radio all the time, how I like, we're like, oh, they could have done that out better. Oh, they should have did not done this. Or they should have done that. Like I'm always like, <laughs> I'm always in work brain um, and listening. And I listen to a lot, like particularly when my partner and I are driving around together, we listen to a lot of different radio, everything from commercial to ABC to podcasts. Like we listen to a lot of different stuff. We really flick around the channels. So like constantly listening to different types of radio, which is really, I find it really fun. And it's also really fun to just talk shit about radio or really enjoy stuff that's really fun too, you know. What's some content you've enjoyed recently that isn't radio? What have I been listening to at the moment? Actually, like last night, so like this, yeah, with this coronavirus world, the days for me have felt quite heavy. I think especially like coming out to work and really having to be really meaningfully immersed in that information as well. It's not like you can kind of switch off and come back to it. Like you're kind of just like, I have to know what's happening because that's part of my job. And so I got in my car last night and I was like, I was like, I just need something nice to listen to. I need something good to listen to. And one of my favorite podcasts is Criminal. And I'm like, cool, I got a new episode and I started listening to it and I realised it wasn't a new criminal episode, it was a new thing they're doing and this is because they're all working from home where it's just the host Phoebe reading out an Agatha Christie novel. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I didn't know I needed this and this is exactly what I need. Yeah, it was. I think for me it was just something totally different. Like I don't really listen to a lot of um, fiction. Like it's just not really what I like to listen to. But I thought that was really interesting that that's what I was drawn to. I'm like, I just need not truth. I need fake. 
Yeah. I think it's, you know, when you were saying about, you know, you need to be informed about this stuff because as someone in the media or broadcaster, you have an obligation to be, you know, giving these facts and it can be quite difficult because it requires a lot of you and you can often be working above and beyond your normal hours or Mm. working on multiple projects simultaneously. How do you manage burnout? Mm, That's a really good question. And I think that the more the more that I work in this industry, the better I am at even like I was going to say being selfish, which is even a kind of a messed up <laughs> expression of what I guess what I mean to say is getting better at looking after my own health, including saying no to things. Because like I think when you start and like I still feel like I'm brand new, like I still feel like a raw egg in a, like in an oven, you know, like a shellless little fetus. And I, you know, you always want to be doing a good job because you've worked with like, there's no one that works at this station that's here by accident. You know, like every, it's, it's the kind of station that has this kind of institution that people like, people love working here and they've worked really hard to get here. So you want to meet that standard you want to work really hard all the time and, and make sure that you're, you're making your coworkers proud and you're making yourself proud and you're making stuff that's, that ultimately is going to get a great reaction from the audience and the tech line, like all that sort of stuff. But it's also about managing your limits. Like a lot of the time, you know, you're making stuff and the audience like doesn't know what they're missing out on. So if, if, the, if you've worked on something and maybe it hasn't quite worked, like it's fine. You've tried it. You did your best. If it doesn't work, that's that's okay. Yeah, I think that's really great advice because I think particularly it, it can feel like, oh, you know, to, to get somewhere, you know, you have to be putting in those extra hours and working a bit harder and, and kind of pushing, constantly kind of pushing the envelope on what you can do. So it is really important to take that space and know when your body needs to rest and switch off. Yeah, a hundred percent. And if you have to say no to something, if you have to ask for help, if you have to be like, Hey mate, like, can you edit this for me? I'm, I'm, I just need to focus on this other thing. Like that will just build a better working environment. So what do you see for the future of radio? I, I think it's interesting because people can think that, Oh, you know, perhaps radio if they're not consuming it all the time, isn't relevant for me. But, you know, recently, and I think in the bushfires, Everybody was engaged with their local station, just showing how much of a tool for community it is, as well as being a form of entertainment. And yeah, kind of re-emerging as this vital tool that connects and gives community information. A hundred percent. You know, like radio really is vital, especially in Australia where we have such massive distances in some cases between between the population. I think it's the perfect medium and I think that, you know, it's sort of interesting because I think, you know, potentially there's an there's separate Triple J audiences. There's an audience that tunes in and listens to what we're doing and there's an audience that only consumes us online. So it's almost like they're hearing or seeing two totally different stations, but it's not. It's the same. It's just content presented in different ways. And I think that's kind of a key thing with when you have a piece of content whether it's an interview, whether it's a segment, whatever it is, like how can you have that represented in different spaces? It's all about capturing different eyes, different ears, different, you know, different consuming habits as well. 
Yeah, it's interesting how those spaces can be so different. I mean, you know, if you're in the workplace and you're in an open plan office and you have the radio on and it's kind of playing while you're working, but that's very different to if you're in a car and you're by yourself and you have somebody there talking to you, driving you home. It's it's quite different. Yeah, 100%. And like even, you know, like I'm working in this building and I have the radio on all the time and there is stuff that I miss. So like, of course, the audience is going to miss things. So it's all about kind of recapturing people at different points if you want them to really absorb stuff. What's your tips for thinking about recapturing an audience if they want to reabsorb something? I think like don't be afraid of going over information. Don't be afraid of revisiting content if it's really good. Don't be afraid of advancing the storyline. Like if you've got like a campaign idea that you want to do, like how can you advance that storyline? Like this week, for example, on the show that um, I work on, you know, like everyone's talking about hand sanitizer. We've started calling it hand san. And then, you know, young Henry's got in contact with us and they're making some and they're going to give us some. So now it's like, okay, what's the next bit? Okay, we want the audience to make a logo for it. And then the net, what's the next bit? When we get it, we want to send it to people. So it's like at every stage of that thing, which will probably last about a week, revisiting it, reassessing it, re-going over the details, pulling out grabs from those earlier chats, pulling out the funniest moments. Yeah. Building the story. Building the story. Yeah, exactly. So finally, I just would like to ask, what advice would you give young Liza, fresh-eyed in year 11, at the Gold Coast <laughs> Jazz FM station? Uh, I think just just try everything. Like, just do it. Because, like, you can only learn from doing it. And I think especially in this, like, we've we've got this amazing set of tools in front of us, which are our phones in our hands as well. Like you can capture so much stuff and you can make so much content all the time, like just make stuff. And I think like like make stuff that even if it's not for radio, like make stuff for TikTok, make stuff for Instagram, like do stories, do think of concepts, think of big ideas, like just do it. Like I, I think some people feel like they can't do stuff because they don't have the equipment or they don't have the audience. It's like, doesn't matter. Just do it. Just make it. That's how you learn. And like people see that stuff. Like people see when you, when you're making fun content, even if, even if you've only had 10 views on it, like if you do enough of it and like, that's a hundred percent, there are people who work here, who are other people that I know at other stations who have gotten jobs and who have been seen and picked, tapped on the shoulder or looked at because they've just made stuff. Like just make stuff. It's fun. that's great advice thank you so much oh no worries Radio Brain is made by FBI Radio for Afters Australia's premier screen and broadcast school enroll now in the podcasting fundamentals course on their website Afters is a sponsor of FBI Radio this episode was produced by Izzy Phillips and me Ryan Pemberton our artwork is designed by Karina Astekan. Music by Sound of Picture. Thanks for listening.